Doc's Watch is meant for entertainment purposes only and not, I repeat, not meant to give medical advice or diagnosis. Always consult your doctor and not your podcast host if you have a medical question, concern, or ailment. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ducks Watch, the show where real doctors tell you what's real, what's not, and what's maybe possible in your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Deepa. So last episode, we talked about how you go about making zombies, which in our current times is mostly with questionably engineered viruses. But how do you go about unmaking a zombie? Will Smith will show us a way, sort of. We will cover a 100% effective cure for cancer. JK, that's not a thing. Dried scab powder. And vaccines. Everyone get your flu shot. Enjoy! Okay, Deepo, let's go to rounds. All right, so today we're still talking about zombies. (laughs) (laughs) It is still October. Um, But today we're going to talk about a different movie, which is... uh, the film I Am Legend. Oh my gosh, I usually say the year. What year is this movie? That's Good gracious. It's yeah, you're usually the I'm usually the one. Them. Oh my gosh, it's in the last 10 yeah. years. Anyway. But like last time we talked about how you make zombies. And this time we're going to talk about how you cure zombies. Or how bit, you unmake sort of. zombies. Or how people sort try of. to. Um, so we're going to talk about the movie I Am Legend that stars Will Smith. Okay. And uh, Jen is going to give us a summary of this movie. Now, let's. what is our disclaimer about this movie? So my disclaimer about the summary I'm about to give is that I saw this movie years ago, and I only saw part of it, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> because this is, like, back when I did have a period of my life where, like, the idea of zombies really freaked me out. So I, like, didn't watch a lot of zombie-related media. Mm-hmm. And... This was kind of during that time, and I think I watched, like, part of this move, like, the beginning part, and then more towards the end, but there's, like, a whole middle chunk that I did not see. Oh, my God. I have not seen this movie at all. That's my disclaimer. 2007. Um, I have not seen this movie, but I did read the plot synopsis today. Yep. So that's my experience. I'm about to tell you about this movie from what I recall. And Deepa is going to look at the synopsis and tell me if this is correct. Oh, okay. Let me open up. Let me open the synopsis. Okay, get started. Okay. So I Am Legend is, I do know that it's based on a book by yes. some dude whose first name is probably, I think is Richard. You're and very his close. last name is Matheson. Robert? Okay. Hold on. Keep going. Okay. Anyway, Will Smith is some kind of like ex-army You're right. It's scientist. Richard microbiologist person also he has a dog most of the world for some reason is dead from a virus and the virus made some people into like weird vampire zombie creatures mm-hmm. that are kind of like fast and they're like something seekers like night seekers dark or something seekers like that. you're very dark close seekers. dark seekers okay. will smith is trying to find a cure for this virus, I guess using his own blood for some reason that I don't really understand. Because he's immune. And That's why. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. Okay. But, so he's, like, trying to figure out a cure, and I think he's, like, experimenting on animals and stuff. And then, like, at some point, for some reason, he traps, like, one of these vampire zombies. I'm going to call them vampires. And, <laughs> like, experiments on it to try to, like, make make a cure or a vaccine or whatever. Yes. For, for this virus. A bunch of things happen that I don't really remember, and his dog dies. And that makes him mad. 
understandably. Yes, he does get mad when the dog dies. And then some other stuff happens and people show up. Like, other people show up for yes. some reason. Yeah, a okay. lady and a boy. Okay. Um, They're from More Maryland. things happen that I don't really remember, but at the very end, Will Smith has figured out a cure, and he gives the cure to, like, this lady and then blows himself up with the other zombies, and then the lady makes it to, like, some kind of refuge where there are other people who are not zombies with the cure. Yes. And that's, like, the end of the movie. So there's, like, stuff that happens in the middle that I really don't remember, but I know that Will Smith dies in the end, and also he did make a cure. Yes. He okay. is, yes. So that's, like, I mean, that's, like, pretty accurate. I would say that that's the movie. So basically what ha- what it is is, yes, yeah, so there there's a virus that they were trying to use to make a cure for cancer, which as is cure for cancer is one of my pet peeve phrases because um, there's lots of different what types if, of what cancer. If, what if we add the phrase 100 percent effective in front of cure for cancer? Because that's right. what they did is they created a 100 percent effective cure for cancer. Right. And um, the what happens is that somehow it gets like released into the world, kills 90 percent of the world which is 5.4 out of, at the time, 6 billion people, and then turns 10, the 9.8% into the the Zampires, or what they call Dark Seekers. And then the remaining 0.2% are people who are immune to the virus, but the prey of the Dark Seekers. So Will Smith is, like, trying to figure out, using his own blood, because he is, quote-unquote, immune, um, he's trying to figure out, like, how to create a cure for it so that he can, I guess, try to cure the dark seekers um, instead of just, you know, because that's the only way they're going to be able to get back to like normal life, I suppose. That's actually a really interesting point because if he is trying to develop a cure for the vampires, then he has to know on some level or he has to hypothesize on some level that they're still somehow human. Yes. Unlike what most people say about zombies. Like, he's not trying to just... Because it it would be impossible. I mean, it's five point... Or, sorry, it's 588 million dark seekers versus 12 million immune humans. Right. But it also means that you have to, like... Get... eh. You would have to get the cure to all of them, which they don't... Well, you have to get the cure to all of them, but then also you have to, like, accept that you're experimenting on people because that's what you believe right oh yeah think that you I guess can so. cure them yeah is that you have to believe that like that like they're fundamentally human right. because you're trying to turn you're trying to undo what the virus does right so what's interesting about this one is that the idea here is that the virus it's just the virus that got into people it's not human to human transmission right I guess. I'm I don't unclear. Know. I think there is human to human transmission because okay. it's airborne well, in I, contact. I guess it's airborne in contact. And it's so so the virus itself is called what? The Crippen virus, because Crippen is the name of the um scientist who like made the original thing. Cameo um, by Emma Thompson. And in the movie. he was trying to Oh really? Um Yeah. He was I think trying uncredited to credited cameo. Uncredited? Who uncredits Emma Thompson? Well, I think Emma Thompson could be like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't need to be credited in this <laughs> in this zombie movie. I have no idea where this is going to go. Will Smith signs up for all kinds of things, said the person who was Nanny McPhee. Um, so, <laughs> so it was, yeah, made by Dr. Alice Crippen as a quote-unquote cure for cancer. Um, 100% effective. 100% effect. effective with no <laughs> side effects. But what they say is that the virus began to mutate 
and then cause this like this syndrome. Why don't we call the dark seekers a syndrome? Because that's basically like what's happening. It's a syndrome. It's just right. like a constellation of findings. Specifically, this cure for cancer that they made is from a re-engineered measles virus. So this this goes back to kind of what we talked about last episode with gene therapy and using viral vectors. Presumably, that's what they're talking about here. Yeah. So they used a measles virus, put a 100% effective cure for all cancers, I guess, In inside it. of it, and then just like release that. But like or released no, no, no. into it the world. What if you didn't released? have cancer? You know what I mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> then you just have measles. <laughs> well, in this case, for some reason, yeah. instead you have rabies. You have a. They say like a rabies-like symptom. Which I mean, when we thankfully we've talked about rabies before, we've so we don't rabies. have to go into all that. Um, but it <laughs> go seems back and listen like, to that episode if you want to find out about rabies. It seems like what's happening here is some kind of like. Uh, cross between a zombie thing and a vampire thing because they talk about a lot of different symptoms um, that we'll get to. But let's talk about measles first because the choice of a measles virus is very interesting because if I were trying to make um, something that like could spread really quickly through lots of people, I probably would choose a measles virus because measles, as we know, is highly contagious. Um, and it is the measles itself as a syndrome or as a disease, as a sickness, um, causes sort of like when we take tests in medical school, we know it's measles when they talk about somebody having a cough, a runny nose, also known as coryza or con and conjunctivitis, which is like, you know, eye inflammation. It also has a certain very specific rash called the morbilliform rash. Um, and uh, that is and it's very, very, very contagious, like we said before, as in it's in the air, it's an airborne transmission. So you can get it just from being in a room where somebody with measles was. The problem is it can also cause very, very severe things like encephalopathy and uh, which is like brain inflammation that can sometimes lead to death, deafness, all kinds of badness. Um, and so measles is like what you would choose if you were like trying to make a lot of people get it. I don't know if it would be my choice for a cancer virus. I think I think they actually have you they've used measles before like in real life for as a viral vector for gene therapy because because like it is because the vaccine is so effective essentially like you can use it as the basis for other things. So you know that like the measles virus can be like recognized really well essentially like by your body and it mounts like a good response to that. Yeah. Well like so they've used it for like other response. things before. But, like, you wouldn't necessarily be like, let me put a cancer cure in here, I guess, for all cancers. Yeah. And what's interesting about this one is that kind of unlike – so in 28 Days Later, the infected are – the virus with that one was Ebola. And it seemed like the infected did get some symptoms of Ebola um, and then whatever it was that made them have the rage. rage. The rage. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in this one, it seems like – the, mu the mutations have gone so far that the symptoms are all over the place. So the dark seekers have the following symptoms that usually progress over 48 hours. So unlike in 20 Days Later, where it seems to be about four seconds when you start having symptoms, <laughs> this one is about two days. So what do we have here? Bleeding, fever. Okay, so fever, virus, whatever. That's fine. Bleeding from the eyes. Okay, so it's a hemorrhagic fever. So it's kind of like Ebola. Bleeding from the eyes, vomiting blood. Now, primal behavior, vicious bloodlust. I don't really know what that falls under, aside from, like, encephalopathy. Rage. 
Rage virus. Yeah, rage virus. So Mm -hmm. some kind of encephalitis. So that means just like inflammation in the brain that's making you not... Like altered mental status something. Yeah. And then there's like random stuff like albinism. Like I don't know how a virus just makes your skin pigmentation go away. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Because, Deepa, it mutated into a lethal new strain of measles. I mean, changing the color of your skin altogether, that is impressive. Hair loss, okay, I can buy that for sure. Um, dilated pupils. So dilated pupils, I think they talk about this, like the, it causes you to be in like a permanent, what we would say like sympathetic state. So that your like catecholamines are constantly high. So like your heart rate is higher. You have like, quote unquote, more blood flow is what I also read about these dark seekers. Um, and you're, that's also goes with the dilated pupils. And then there's the extreme intolerance of UV radiation, which I think they threw in there because they needed to give like Will Smith like 12 hours in a day where he could do stuff. And he's like not constantly fighting <laughs> the dark seekers. Right? I mean, yeah. You're like, we got to give them a weakness of some kind. So I guess the sun because they're vampires. Because they're also vampires. So I I think this is why, like, when I heard about this movie from other people, I was so confused. I was like, is it a zombie movie or it is a vampire movie? I'm so confused. And now that I've, like, actually read that, I'm like, oh, the people who made it are equally confused. Um, Yeah. So if you think about it, actually, 28 Days Later also, technically, if you think zombies are people who have died and then been reanimated... That is also not the case in 28 Days Later. They are also people that are just infected with the virus because they didn't necessarily die. No. You didn't, like, watch them die and become reanimated. So they both are just syndromes. Yeah, they're both just actual people who are sick. Yeah. Um, and so in this movie, it looks like dogs and rats. Animals. Oh, other animals aren't susceptible, just dogs and rats. Oh, yeah. He has to. Doesn't he have to kill the dog because the dog gets the virus? Does he kill the dog? I just remember the dog died. I think that he kills the dog. Ugh, that's terrible. I'm pretty sure he has to kill the dog. And that's why it's like so upsetting. Anyway. I mean, it's upsetting either way. Yeah. So um, we and the 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 causing the host body to constantly pump itself full of adrenaline like that's kind of like not tolerable after a certain amount of time. Yeah, it's not like you can't do that for infinity. That's just not how you definitely can't do it for infinity. Work. Your poor heart is going to be like, I don't want this anymore and will eventually start <laughs> failing um, to be constantly in a state of like sympathetic activation. Um, they probably won't last very long. I mean. How I don't know how they're if they're they're probably sleeping that way. It would make me feel like the Do dark seekers sleep? last maybe a f- like a couple of weeks and then they're done. Yeah, I don't know what the timeline is actually in the movie because obviously because I remember it in such great detail. So right, but anyway, so like the point of talking about I Am Legend is like is the basis because the basis of a lot of the this kind of like pop culture zombie phenomenon is viruses. Mm-hmm. Usually through, like, weird gene therapy stuff that doesn't make any sense. It's like somebody Um, tried to do a good thing, but then it became a bad thing. Yeah, but, like, also the good thing that they were trying to do doesn't make any sense. It was, like, a shakily scientific (laughs) to begin with. And so because it's viruses, naturally your brain kind of goes, okay, so, like, in order to fix this, we need to make a vaccine for it of some kind to, like, cure it, to make people immune from it. To make people immune from it, not necessarily cure the virus itself. Right. But like sometimes in the in the movies, they use it interchangeably because I think not everybody understands what vaccines are. Uh-huh. So we're going to talk about what vaccines are. Yes. Um, first of all, just to clearly disclose our 
bias, which is the bias everyone should have. Vaccines are excellent, <laughs> and everyone should get vaccinated. Vaccines so. are good. They're safe. They're effective. Yeah. Get vaccinated so. early and often. Everybody no, no, that's vaccinated. voting. No, what is that one? Something. Also both, though. Also vote. All of the above. <laughs> um, so vaccines are basically, they're made from like a weakened or killed form of the thing that causes disease. So like the pathogen or like a toxin or whatever, in order to basically make your immune system mount a response and then remember, because your immune system has memory, like remember the pathogen that it saw so that in the future, if you see it again, you don't get sick. Do you know why it's called vaccine? Yes, I do. Okay. Do you know why? <laughs> yes, I do. Because of cows. Yeah, why, don't, why don't you tell them? Because of cows. <laughs> <laughs> we're, it's, we're, we're going to get to that. Oh, okay. But um, so before we talk about kind of like what vaccines look like now, we should talk about the precursor to vaccines, which is inoculation or variolation specifically. And so variolation is specifically about smallpox because yeah. that virus is called the variola virus. And it is the process wherein you take a small amount of smallpox stuff, usually pus, from someone who's infected and you poke like an uninfected person with it with the hope that the uninfected person will get like a mild infection and then just be like immune to it afterwards. Right. And not get the infection, the real bad right. version of the infection. Right. Because smallpox was a terrible, terrible disease and it basically killed like 20 to 60 percent of all of the adults that were infected and over 80 percent of children yes. who got infected. Um, and it lived on, like, surfaces for a long time, so it was very easy to transmit, and it was very contagious. And, um, I mean, it was just really terrible. And it's been around it for a long, long time, basically until we figured out vaccines and eradicated smallpox. Eradicated. With eradicated. E. Like, it does e not exist anymore in the world, like, since 1980 yes. is when the WHO declared it completely eradicated. We are all, but, we are almost there, maybe, with polio. But... Yeah, there are, yeah. There are a few places where it's still around. And but. this means zero cases. That's what eradicated means. It's not, mean, it's not like one case. It's zero. <laughs> yeah. So the way that you would do this in the past, like I said, is you would use pus or... Sometimes you would use like dried that is gross. scab powder. That is a, you'd, quite you'd powder a combination up. of words. <laughs> you would, you'd get a bunch of scabs because smallpox causes like a full body, like this terrible rash, yeah. and you get all of these like lesions, and they scab over and they're terrible. And so they would take like scabs. You from get pox. People. That's the whole. <laughs> yeah, you get pox. you get pox. So you would take those scabs, dry them, powder them up. Sometimes steam them and let them like sit around for a while mm. and then you would inhale them. So it's like either pus or that other method. And the idea is basically like if you take a tiny bit of pus or you inhale like dried scab powder, I guess, you're getting a smaller infective load. So you're getting like just less of the virus. And again, the idea is that you would get a milder infection and you would still get immunity. Some people still got sick because you're still giving people smallpox. And it's terrible and it's very, very virulent. But a lot of people would then get immunity and not get, like, the more virulent form of the disease that would make them die <laughs> the majority of the time. So yeah. variolation was basically, like, practiced in 
like China and India a long time ago. In China, there were records as old as from like the 10th century, potentially, that kind of referenced um, variolation, but didn't talk about it in detail. So like there's some question about whether or not that's actually what they were talking about. But the process was a lot more recorded in a lot more detail and more widely practiced by the 16th century. Um, And it was like two centuries later before America started doing this. Mm. And so in America, like Boston had a terrible smallpox outbreak in 1721. And basically, usually when you learn about this, a white slave owner named Cotton Mather and then a white doctor named Zabdiel Boylston. (laughs) Zabdiel Boylston. Zabdiel Boylston. Like everything in Boston is Boylston. (laughs) So that's this is great. This is all great. Yep. They usually get all the credit for developing like inoculation against smallpox. But in reality, as with a lot of this kind of medical history, they stole this idea from other people. So Cotton Mather, who again is a slave owner. Whose name is Cotton? Jeez. Yep. And he also supported the Salem witch trials. He sounds like a real great guy. He bought a slave named um, Onesimus. Okay. At around the beginning of the 1700s, so like 1706 or something like that. And at one point or another, he, like, kept journals and stuff because I guess everybody wrote down diaries at the time because we keep finding them. But he basically noticed that Onesimus had a scar on his forearm. And when he asked him about that, he described – Onesimus described, like, this practice of inoculation where they would take pus from an infected person and, like – Mm. inoculate someone who wasn't infected so that they would be immune. And this practice was basically already very common, again, in Asia and in Africa, but was not practiced in America. And Mather was basically like, I don't don't know, know. that sounds like a quote-unquote devilish African ritual is what he wrote in his diaries. Oh, my God. Because he didn't really trust Onesimus. Yeah. After, like, a few years... Mather, with, like, smallpox being a concern, Mather was like, I should tell someone about this. So he went to Boylston. He was like, hey. Does this, like, sound right? Yeah, does this, is this something, like, that sounds like that could work? And Boylston was like, I don't know. And then he tested it on two other slaves, because that's what they did then. And um, and then also his own son. And it seemed to work. Okay. And then when they were like, okay, proof of concept accomplished, they went to the Boston medical community And because everybody was, like, really racist and couldn't believe that, like, a solution for this came out of Africa or Asia, they were like, that is ridiculous. We can't do that. Like, what are you talking about? And I think, like, I think, like, both Mather and Boylston got, like, death threats and all of this stuff. Oh, my gosh. So they're terrible guys who maybe tried to do a good thing and then everybody else being terrible. And then everybody else was also terrible. Great. Yep. And then in 1721... A huge smallpox outbreak happened in Boston, and then everybody was like, fine, I guess we'll do this thing that you said. And they inoculated a bunch of people, which helped, like, curb that epidemic. So that is basically, like, the origins of the inoculation in America. It is all due to Onesimus, not Cotton Mather or Boylston. (laughs) So when you learn about this in the future, if someone brings this up to you, and they're like, Cotton Mather figured out how to inoculate people I feel people like most box. people are going to be like, be like no. Edward Jenner. And then you'll be like, no, excuse me. Excuse me. Let me explain to you some stuff. Because, because Jenner Edward is the Jenner one. Edward Jenner is actually later. Yeah. yeah. So like Edward Jenner is an English doctor. And he basically noticed that like milkmaids, who milk cows, obviously, <laughs> got cowpox on their hands. So they got like basically like this rash with like blistering and stuff on their hands. 
And then they were basically immune to smallpox after they had gotten cowpox. And so he developed the first vaccine using the cowpox virus, and that happened in 1802. Yeah. So this is like 80-ish years. And vac is after like the Boston cow. smallpox means cow. Yep. And Spanish and is vaca. vaccine comes from. So. Yep. And in and French, think, it's like, vache. I think he called it vaccine specifically because of the cowpox because thing, it was cowpox, like you said. Yeah. And then later, like uh, Louis Pasteur kind of refined the te- technique a little bit more and like developed a vaccine for rabies, et cetera. And he continued to call them vaccines basically in honor of Jenner. <laughs> in honor of Jenner. Yep. And so that's why we call them all vaccines now. Well, fine. I mean, we do, but they're great. Vaccines are excellent. Yeah. There's there's apparently one American microbiologist named Maurice Hillman or Hilleman, I'm not 100% sure, who basically developed like 40-something vaccines, <laughs> including many of the ones that we still use, like for measles, mumps, hep A, hep B, chicken pox, Aww. and uh, H flu. Good for you, Maurice. I also think possibly he was involved in the development of the strep pneumo vaccine and the meningococcus vaccine which causes pneumonia and meningitis respectively so one of the other interesting things about the vaccine history is that vaccines in the early in the early period it was thought that you had to be using like an inoculation like it had to be a live version of the um alive but like like you said weakened or less amount of the actual disease that you were trying to vaccinate against. And it was during the uh, development of the polio vaccine because there was like a huge polio epidemic, right, In especially in the United States in the early 20th century. And that is when people were trying to find a vaccine. And there was Jonas Salk and there was another guy named Sabin. Um, and Jonas Salk's theory that he was trying to prove was that you didn't need that you you could kill the disease causing agent and that could make an effective vaccine. And a lot of people really didn't believe him. Um, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who had this and Dr. Sabin is the one who made the live polio vaccine. Um, and so Salk worked for a long time and then he was able to prove over a long period of time that the inactivated version of the vaccine was as effective. And so that's kind of like, I would say, like when the next big change in like vaccine development came, because now we don't use, we don't have to use as much of the actual like infectious agent to make vaccines. We're able to use other things like a protein sequence on the surface or something like that, or an inactive form of the, of the virus um, in order to get the immune response that you need to get. And so that was like another huge development in, in making vaccines. But it was interesting because similarly, like people just didn't believe him. They didn't believe that it was like possible that you would still have, like be able to develop immunity from an inactivated vaccine. When we're talking about viruses, like we said, they're not really alive or dead. So in this context, when we're saying like active virus or a live virus, that basically means that like virus that is still capable of reproducing and then infecting people. Whereas like if you say that it's killed, like even though it's not alive, when you say that it's killed or inactivated, it basically means that we've done something to the virus so that it can't reproduce, like it can't replicate itself anymore. Um, And we do that through like several different methods. But there are several different types of vaccines that you can get. And um, inactivated, like we mentioned, is basically where like they can't reproduce anymore. And we usually have accomplished that through either chemicals or heat or radiation or something like that. So this is like Um, the the Salk polio vaccine. Right. We also have attenuated, which is basically where the pathogen is actually active, 
but was cultivated in a way so that they're not virulent. So whatever makes them give you manifest disease in a person has been disabled or removed or something like that. Or we're giving a closely related, less dangerous organism. Right. So like, for example, in some places of the world, you can get a vaccine against TB, which uses just a different entity. It's called the BCG vaccine. Yeah. And like the my parents had my, my parents had to get this. I don't know if your parents had to get this. I think my mom because ha- she has a scar on her arm. Yes, exactly. So this particular yeah. vaccine, the way that it's like administered, is like a bunch of tiny little pokies, and it leaves this sort of round. Uh, they yeah, it's scar. like a circular looking. Yeah. So my parents both because they grew up in India, they both got this. Uh, yeah, and my mom grew up in China, yeah. so similarly. Um, there's also toxoid vaccines. So sometimes. The case is that, like, it's not the virus or the bacteria itself that is causing the disease. It's, like, something that they produce. Usually bacteria, because viruses, again, don't produce anything besides themselves. Exactly. And so, like, it is bacteria where, like, they're producing some kind of toxin that causes the illness. Like, in the cases of tetanus and diphtheria, the vaccines for those things are basically, like, the toxic compound that has been act- inactivated that we introduce so yes. that your immune system can recognize So in it. like tetanus, it's the tetanus toxin and you're asking your body to recognize the toxin. Right. And then there's also a subunit vaccine, which is basically where you use a fragment of the pathogen to create the immune response. So like oftentimes this is basically like using surface proteins or the proteins that your body would recognize. Um to like allow entry for the thing. So like the hep B vaccine, for example, is made with surface proteins Mm -hmm. so that your body can basically see when it is trying to sneak in and stop it. Um, And then there's conjugate vaccines, which is basically, so like some bacteria are coded in such a way where if they infect you, your body can't see it very well because like for, for your immune system to see something, it basically needs to like, see proteins of a specific yeah. size. And it has oftentimes. to like create a linkage to it also. Right. And, they and if it touch, can't do that, they gotta touch then it's hard for, for your body to mount any kind of immune response. And so if there's a bacteria that basically makes it hard for your body to see it, then you can link that with something, some kind of protein that is easier for your body to see. And that's called a conjugate vaccine. Right. And then there is what is called a heterotypic heterotypic vaccine, which is where you use a pathogen that actually infects other animals but doesn't normally infect humans or causes very mild disease in humans, and you use that to create a vaccine. And that's like the smallpox vaccine because we used cowpox in that case. Right. And And those are all the different types of vaccines. And I think that if you go through your normal vaccine schedule, you get all of these. Mm -hmm. Right? I think so. Because the flu vaccine is live attenuated. Yeah. Well, yes, 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 you're right, you're right. Yeah. Well, depending on which form which you get, I guess. Which flu vaccine you get, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So depending on, like, because the flu vaccine, you can get the nose form or the shot. And one is live attenuated and one is inactivated, I think. Yes. But in I Am Legend, he is looking for a cure, right? Right. And it's interesting because he, so what they say is that they say that there's a 0.2% of the population that is immune to it, which is an interesting way to phrase it because it implies that they have something in their body that like gets rid of the virus or like you know that like handles the virus but i think what they're actually trying to say is that there's 0.2 of the 
population that is unaffected. Because what I the way that I interpret it two. Well, you finished your interpretation. And so, I'll tell you for what example, I found like out. there's um, there's a lot of research into like people who are infected with like the HIV virus and don't develop HIV, and it's mainly because they lack a certain receptor on their cells that the virus needs to like attach itself to the cells. So, my thought is that the people who are unaffected by the Crippen virus lack a receptor for it. And right. like because, because like we talked about viruses last episode, viruses need some like a cell's machinery in order to replicate themselves. Yeah, and so do like whatever they theoretically, do. these so people would be naturally, it, yeah, like immune to measles. <laughs> also, I mean, not immune, but like unaffected. So like the virus gets into their body, it cannot get into their cells, so it cannot replicate, it cannot cause the symptoms, and that is what the uniqueness is. Um, of right. that 0.2%. Now, how do you then what the what the um, movie or my reading of the plot synopsis implies is that Will Smith is trying to figure out what it is about his blood that makes it so that like he doesn't get it. And he does like some experiments and stuff. But ultimately, like I think that and then he creates some kind of a quote unquote cure that he then puts into this uh, dark seeker that he captures. And it like reverses the virus symptoms so he's like giving her a treatment which could theoretically be a gene therapy but i don't know exactly what it's doing you know what i mean like she's already affected systemically by this virus really systemically and so like just removing the receptor at this point she would have to like you'd have to turn over like every single cell in your body yeah you know yeah because i think i think basically when I was thinking about this, I had I followed the same thought process as you did, and I think that whoever wrote this movie got a little bit confused on two points, right? Because they basically got confused between having immunity because you have antibodies to something. Yes. Right? And then also having immunity because literally, like, genetically, you are not producing a specific protein that this virus needs to see in order to infect you. Right. Like, those are two different things. Yeah. And the reason why they're different is because, like, in the one case, like, if you have a genetic reason for why you don't produce the protein that the virus needs in order to infect you, you can't make anything with that, right? Because that is just, like, your DNA, just that is what it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, unless... You're missing a the, protein. The, the only thing you could do is, like, you would have to kind of do the make an inhibitor. You'd have to make something that specifically... <laughs> and that's how we get rage virus. This is how these two this movies is how you get are rage virus. But you'd have to make something that specifically blocks that right. thing only. Right, but you wouldn't be able to figure that out necessarily from a person who doesn't have the protein. Right. Because you can't You have to compare it to people who have right. the like protein. You have to know where in the genome this protein yeah. was and then figure out like wh- how to block it, yeah. basically. So, so he needed to be doing dark seeker experiments at the same time that you're doing because... He, immune people Because Dr. Crippen's original experiments are no longer helpful because the virus right. has like a million mutations. Right. And then, and then on the other hand, which is where I think like the people who were at this movie got confused, is... If you do have immunity that you acquired to something. Yeah. Right. Because like you were exposed to it and then you got over it or whatever. Like maybe like hypothetically, if you got immunity to this virus, because like instead of being the 90 percent of people that it killed, you like got a milder form of this disease. I don't know what that looked like, but whatever. And then like you got better. 
in theory, you would have antibodies now to yeah. this virus, right? And so, like, if that's the case, if you've acquired immunity f- to this virus, then hypothetically, you do have circulating antibodies and stuff, maybe, like in your blood. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Like, it's a stretch still, but, like, yeah. ostensibly, they're there now. Yeah. I don't know how much he injects into her, but usually when you're treating somebody with antibodies, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. And and they're like purified antibodies and stuff. And you have to figure out how to keep making them. Yeah. And and so that was the other thing was like, if that's what they think, hypothetically, if that's what they think they were doing, right? Yeah. Like, sure, maybe you could distill like antibodies to this virus, like from somebody who survived infection. Right. but like, but you have to assume that they have survived an infection, right? Yeah, and then that also, but that also is kind of like, like you said, this virus is so systemic and has rendered so many basically permanent changes. Like, let's looking at what happened. Yeah, that like, if you gave antibodies to somebody, like, what's going like to happen? What would that exactly. Do? Like, what would that like, even? What does do? it change? You know, like I said, like right. every single cell in your body has to turn over, and the virus has to be gone somehow. Right. Cause, because they keep saying that it's a cure, but then, like, and then he gives the cure to people, to the lady or whatever, to, like, take to the camp where there are other people. And so, presumably, the implication there is that they're going to start making the cure. Like, right? somebody could see this thing and just be like, make more of it somehow. Right. And I feel like, on the one hand, it would make more sense if he had made a vaccine, I guess, and, like, sent it with them so that they could make more vaccine. It still doesn't really make sense because, like, the way that he is immune to this thing doesn't make any sense. But, like... Right. And the way that everybody else is, too. Yeah. Right. So, like, that's originally what I thought. But then once I was was like, oh, wait, it's supposed to be a cure, it makes even less sense. Because you're like, how do you reverse this process now that you've... Started Just pumping your body full of adrenaline and you have albinism and your skin cells don't have pigment anymore and, like, all of this stuff. Like, what Your skin is sensitive to ultraviolet light. Yeah. Like, how how do you undo all of that? Right. And I do feel like, as a microbiologist, you should know this. (laughs) (laughs) He's not a molecular biologist. Maybe that's why. I mean, he he should know that, like, you know. Well, I guess, like, maybe he doesn't understand why he's immune. He should know so many things that he doesn't know. I don't know. So, I, I mean, I think that, like, because he does cure one of them, right? That's how he knows it works. He cures, like, the one that he kidnapped yes. or whatever. The one at the end, yeah. And that's does why she when died, he... too, in the grenade explosion. Look, I have not seen this movie. <laughs> but he manages just, to... just, like, leave her there? No, I think that all these zombies, I mean, all these dark seekers are, like, coming there. And so my, my understanding was that she probably does die, um... But he manages to give the, like, sample to the other person and makes lets them run away while he and then my other grenade question is, blows does, up. Does this cure, or vaccine or whatever it is, require Will Smith's blood? Because now he's dead. That's what I don't, that's what, well, I don't think it does because I, I think that whatever it is that he has, the other people who are surviving should also have. So like I don't, whatever is making him immune. Yeah, but then so what did honestly he distill? what he should have given her was, like, a set of instructions. Notes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Be like, here's my lab notebook. Take Be like, it if somebody you. just handed a biologist like a vial of blood and was like, yeah, hey, make more like, of this. What do you want me to do with this? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? What like, is this? First one, of all, there is label, not probably. enough. There is not enough. There is no way there's enough to do the number of experiments you need to do to well, figure out just what know, it right? is. Because you don't, you don't know how much you have to give someone. You don't know. You don't know what it is. 
You don't know how much you need. I mean, to you do have any to just analyze it to begin with. You know, like there's not even an, probably enough to analyze it. And if you were, yeah, like if you were trying to analyze it, what do you think it is? Because he made it from his blood somehow with rudimentary equipment. Yeah. I mean, it has to be antibodies. That's the only thing I can think of. Even though that doesn't make any sense because he wouldn't make antibodies. Without, like, giving it to himself yeah. somehow. Or making a vaccine. Well, he wouldn't make antibodies because he, he literally cannot he can't be in infected theory, see with the it. virus. Yeah, his so body like, can't see it. So it can't make an immune response to it. Right. I don't know. I don't know what he gave them. I don't know. I do not know. I cannot <laughs> figure it them, out. He just gave them a random vial of blood. Just like, here's my blood. <laughs> and those camp scientists are like, <laughs> he probably didn't even I give it in understand. a heparinized tube, and they're just gonna have yeah. this like big clot in mess. It's just like a jelly clot. <laughs> and she's like, here, this dude who lived in a desert wanted <laughs> wanted he you. He was have really this. sad about his dog, and, <laughs> and uh, the camp scientists he gave were like, this I don't. I don't, uh, thanks, I guess. And then as soon as she, like, turned her back, they were like, let's throw this away. I'm like, what is that? Be like, okay, we have our, like, uh, Brazilian, like, whatever thing to escape everybody. Maybe what we didn't see was that she actually secretly did have his lab notebook. And that's mm. how they yes. manufacture the cure. That's probably what happened. Because otherwise, I don't know why people just in general think that it's possible to, like, do stuff with, like, random fluid that you don't, you don't know what it is you don't know how it got there you don't like, know like this what, is what you need what process people went through i feel to like get we there. went through this with um when we talked about the x-men cure too yeah, yeah but i it's just like, like what did you take know. out of him anyway just like the idea that you could just be like like what is important is like the fluid at the end that nobody can do anything with or knows like what it is yeah like, because here's the thing, like, if you go to pharmaceutical companies and stuff like that who are developing vaccines, they're not patenting, like, they're, what the patents are basically on all of their notes and stuff, right? Like, when they've developed the process for, yeah. like, making the thing. Yeah. That's, like, the thing that is actually valuable because, like, you need to know how they got there in order to make this, like, random vial of clear fluid <laughs> or blood or whatever, whatever you have at the end. Because if you don't have that process, like, all you have is a vial of mystery fluid and there's, like, nothing you can do with that. Yeah. Or basically you have to use it all up trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, one trope that I do wish would go away. Yeah. Is this idea that you can just hand people vials of things I mean, the trope is that, like, like, the main trope here is that, like, science is whatever you want it to be instead of, like, what it actually is. <laughs> Which is difficult mostly that was like a 30 and rock dr spachemin medicine is whatever <laughs> medicine is not a science it can be whatever you want it to be um oh man, oh man. okay all right shall we go to our resident lounge okay the resident lounge is basically where we talk about things that we came across while researching the episode and the thing that i came across is the i am legend alternate ending which basically is where Will Smith... So, like, the original ending is he blows himself up. Yeah. And that lady escapes with the tube of mystery fluid. And and him and Will Smith and then all of the, the zompires that like attack him up, are dead. Whatever. They're all dead. Yeah. So the alternate ending is Will Smith... Oof. This is rough. Like, he's there and the leader of the zompires... I keep forgetting what they're actually called. What Dark called Seekers. Again? Dark Seekers show up to his house and apparently like the lead one punches the window or whatever that Will Smith is protected when behind. When I read it, it, it makes, said that it makes a butterfly shape. Yeah, it makes like a butterfly shape. Crack. Which then Will Smith is like, 
oh man, that that like dark seeker that I kidnapped also has a butterfly tattoo. I'm connecting the dots and somehow I realize that the leader of the Zompires is looking for his like mate partner. Yeah. I guess. Who he has and, imprisoned and to do experiments on. Right. And so then Will Smith basically like sees the leader cry, I guess, and then is like, ooh, sorry. And then like gives the gives her back dark seeker back. And then he escapes with the lady and the kid to the thing. Yeah. And then now he has to live with the whole like I spent years experimenting on like intelligent, sentient people that I didn't get their society. consent for. Right. Which, again, I make the point that if you think that you can cure these people, you already know that they're people. Like, you've already decided yeah. that, like, yeah. there is a way for you to reverse this process like, such that they are human monsters. again. Yeah. Right. So you've st- you're still doing that. Like, even, even without this whole interaction with, like, the butterfly and, like, whatever. Like, I mean, I'm glad this wasn't the actual ending. Well, apparently, like, they tried this with test audiences and everybody hated it. So. <laughs> they were like, oh, just kidding. But I think this is actually, like, closer to the book's ending, is my understanding, is oh, the book ends with it. him, like, the, the I Am Legend title of it is about the idea that, like, the zompires are attacking him because they're afraid of him because he kidnaps them. And then they disappear. And oh then he's, God. like, basically he's saying that he's going to go down it as legend for, like, this new species or something <laughs> of creature. <laughs> that like they're gonna tell like, stories about Will Smith kidnapping. <laughs> oh man, I kind of now I feel like I should see this movie. I, I mean, just I remember the dog. I just remember again. like all the marketing for this movie was about like his him and this German Shepherd. That's the thing is I kind of want to see it again to fill in the blanks, but also I really don't want to watch him kill his dog if that's kind of what happens. Like. <laughs> I don't know that they're going to show it to you. That's the other part that doesn't make sense to me is like, why does it infect rats and dogs, but no other animals? Yeah, because isn't there like a horse or something at some point? There's a horse in 28 Days Later. Oh, there's multiple they, horses. When yes. they inexplicably like camp oh, yeah. at that one place, they because see like They had to stop after like two hours of driving, so. And then what's his name? What's his name? Frank? Frank. Watches these horses and he's like, they're a family. <laughs> And I was like, it's like like two black horses and two white horses. And I was like, are they a family, though? (laughs) I'm also like, what is the meaning of this scene? Like, what are you trying to say that you guys are a family? Because you just met each other. You just met each other like two hours ago. Anyway. I mean, he and Hannah are a family, I guess. (laughs) Yes, he and his daughter are a family, definitely. (laughs) Anyway, so that's one thing that I came across. And I was just kind of like, this is a lot actually it is a lot all right shall we go to our discharge summary okay so the actual review of the thing in this case i think we should talk about the crippen virus cure oh crippen virus cure oh my gosh crippen virus cure one out of ten congealed tubes of will smith's blood (laughs) because that's all that's going to be there on the other end yep in a similar vein, I'm going to give it 0 out of 10 missing lab notebooks because 100% they cannot reproduce this without his notes. So oh, there is no cure in this world, yeah. right? So 0. No, zero out no of 10. Cure. That's what happens. Will Smith just sacrificed himself for no reason because he did not give random lady all of his notes, which was really the important part. Yeah. So He could have like made a recording, I don't know, something of yeah, what I he was doing. Again, it's been so long since I've seen this movie that I don't remember if he 
was recording notes. I mean, but either way, I don't. I've already established he's not giving. the best scientist. Right, but that's even true. bad scientists keep notes. One would hope. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, that is our second episode about zombies and unmaking them, I guess. So thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Docs Watch. You can subscribe to our medical ramblings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Docs Watch Pod or visit us at DocsWatchPod.com.